Well, Matt, keep working on the guitar. <laughs> Say good things. Doing just like I told you. Good job. Good morning. And uh, as Matt said, I'm Don Wheeler. And uh, I've known Pastor Steve since about 2000 and 2000. Yeah, about 2000. So many years, 20-some years ago. And uh, we actually were, Don and I were actually a part of Grace Vineyard Church when it began. Uh, well, shortly after it began. And we were there for seven years uh, in the beginning. And just met Brother Brian, and so Brian Cannon and Ronnie and myself and Steve, we spent a lot of time in those early years years sharing things, uh, revel, you know, revelation that we had gathered uh, and shared it together. And I think a lot of what we shared became uh, the fruit that we see here today yes. and that uh, you are experiencing uh, the freedom and the liberty and the joy of knowing God in a way that a lot of Christians don't because of those those early years, and I'm going to share a little testimony. Uh, I met Ron uh, back in 1988, and we were both stationed in South Korea in the Air Force. Uh, both he and I are retired from the military. But when I met him there, I had been a Christian for about three years uh, before I went to Korea, and my experience was with uh, the Word of Faith movement primarily, uh, the church that I was involved with was a Rama church. If any of you know what that is, it's you know a church out of Tulsa a, or an organization. I had multiple churches, and so. But our focus at that time, and of course I was young in the Lord, so the focus was uh, the Word of Faith. Faith, and man, we looked at faith upside down, right side out. You know, we had sermons called "Faith in Your Faith." I mean, you know, the circular reasoning. We had stuff about faith, uh, just every way you could look at it. But when I got to Korea, uh, I met another gentleman. So Ron and I, uh, Ron met the Lord in Korea. And so I kind of took him under my wing and we just hung together and we're, we're learning about Jesus together. Uh, and so we, uh, over in South Korea at a military base, you have a chapel and the chapel basically is these different, uh, religious men that provide religious activities for different faiths. And on certain days, Sunday especially, they do different services. They have the Protestant service for the Protestants. They have the Catholic service. They have the Jewish service. And then they have this service called the Gospel service, which uh, in Korea uh, was primarily, mostly uh, participated by with people of color, black people. And so we had gone to the Protestant service, but, man, that was like a funeral Right? And so, so Ron and I became two white little faces in the gospel church, and we loved it. Because those folks got heart, man. And we were looking for Jesus, and they had him, and we were, it was great. And so, uh, we met, we met a man there, a great mentor of mine, I would say now, a man named David Kennebrew. If you're interested in any of his stuff, he's on, He's online. He's now a doctor, professor. But we met him over there, and he began to share some things with me about, he called it the revelation of Christ. And uh, so I'm listening, and I'm trying to take all this in because, honestly, I had really never met a man in my life that walked like Jesus, talked like Jesus, so consistent, so unmovable, uh, you know, wasn't moved by every wind of doctrine and emotion that came across his path. So he had some fruit that I really liked, but man, his words were confusing. He started sharing about Christ being in the believer. Well, you remember, I was trained in word of faith. So most of my training, and I'm not saying word of faith taught this. I'm saying this is what I heard. Like I'm trying to figure out how to move God on my behalf. Right? I'm trying to figure out how faith works. And here comes this other doctrine into my mind. And I'm struggling with it. And I would say weeks went by as he's sharing these words with me. And finally, I looked at him and I said, I can't understand what you're talking about. And he said, brother, it's not that you can't understand. It's that you won't. He said, what you already believe is taking the place of what you could know. 
He said, have you ever thought about sitting with Holy Spirit? And just opening your heart and saying, would you show me? So I put my tail between my legs. Wandered back to my barracks room. That evening I sat down. And I did what he said. I said, Holy Spirit, I do not understand what Brother Dave is talking about. Would you please show me? I'll open my heart. I lay aside what I know. And I open my heart. And I heard, go to Galatians 1. So I said, okay. So, told you I'm a little slow with this. So I went to Galatians 1, and I began to read. And this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. And of course, down in verse 15, but when it, and this is what he said after he had learned this revelation. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. Not that he would talk about Jesus, not that he would share his great teaching and understanding, not that he would take his seminary training and go out and convert the world to his seminary training, but that he had received something. And this is what I saw. And it was like the light came on. All of a sudden, internally, it got illumined. And I said, this is what Dave's talking about. That there's a son that lives in me. And God the Father has sent me here to reveal that son in me. That I might proclaim him. And all of a sudden, after three years, I got a new Bible. I did. Because what I just shared with you, the revelation of Jesus Christ is all throughout the New Testament. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is the power of revelation knowledge. And I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 1. So Paul's writing this to the Ephesian church. He says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's an interesting statement. Because coming from the word of faith, arena if i had all com- if i had completed everything i knew about faith i felt like i'd be complete that's what god wanted of us is just to be faith people but paul says i see your faith i see your love for all the saints and so therefore i do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the god of our lord jesus christ and note this the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom And revelation, there's that word again, in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And so today I want to talk about this word revelation knowledge. And I want to show you just how powerful this word is. Not the word, the reality of revelation. I've, you know, I've been in, I've been a Christian for many years. And I'm aware that there's a lot of information peddlers. That there is a lot of information. You can't go anywhere uh, amongst the Christian world and not have information coming at you. We're inundated with information. I've often said, why don't you go to Mardell's or your favorite bookstore, read every book and believe it. And see what kind of Christian you turn out to be which I would suggest would be awfully confused. So right there it shows us that there is, there's information that's available to us, but we need something more than just information. We need revelation. And revelation requires a revealer. That's the key to revelation knowledge. It's not your dumb head. And when you get a hold of this reality, you begin to realize the stuff that's going in my head is not what's so valuable to God. It's what's happening in my heart. That revelation knowledge goes past your head and gets into your heart. And in there it does things. And so there's a process to this. 
And in this process, the first thing is what I talked about, information. The word logos in the Greek means it's, you know, how is it that one person with a head who has ideas and knowledge, how do we transfer it to another person? We need language. We need words. You ever thought about that? I sat there one day and I I was thinking about this. Of all the things that God could identify his son as, you know, almighty, prince of peace, and these are true. But in John chapter 1, he calls him the word. Like, why do you reference God the son as the word? There must be something in that. And as I thought on that, I began to see. If you have a mind with a thought, with an idea, if you are a being that's unseen, then you need a way in order to reveal yourself to those who can't see you without help. And so Jesus is actually the mind of God, the person of God placed in a human creature so that God could come and reveal himself. He's the language of God. Jesus is the language of God. When you see Jesus, you see God. He said, if you've seen me, I'm the fullness of the Godhead right here. And here's another thing about that. This is so important. If you think God doesn't want to speak to you, because some people say, well, I know God speaks to Pastor Steve. He speaks to Ron. He may speak to Don. I'm not sure. But he speaks, but I don't know that he wants to speak to me. This is an ancient artifact that I have here in my hand. This ancient artifact, they call it a Bible. If you know anything about this book, it's the, it's the most produced book in the world for all history. It is in many, many languages. And when you want to know whether God wants to speak to you, you just grab this old artifact and you look at that. This is the proof that God wants to speak to you. Specifically you. He even did it in English for me. And so remember that when you start wondering, does God, does God speak? Does God want to speak to me? Yes, he does. But the first thing we get is we get this logos. We get this information coming at us. We get it through Bible studies, sermons, teaching. And have you ever had as you're going along, I get this quite a bit. You're reading, you're, you're reading scripture and all of a sudden, aha. A light comes on. You see something in Scripture that just kind of comes alive. And the light comes on for you. And you say, aha. That's what we call illumination. All of this process is the Holy Spirit involved with you. He, he has information coming to you. He, he gives you illumination on something He wants you to see. And then if you'll sit with him, you will gain a new revelation. The revealer will then take what was just information and turn it into living word. Now, here's what's important about living word. Information might help you to pass a test. Revelation will enable you to live a whole new life. Information may give you something to argue with others over. But revelation will give you the power to love others with the love of God. Illumination may excite you a bit. But revelation will carry you throughout life and into eternity. You see, it takes revelation in order for there to be transformation. The problem we have with so many people is they think information is going to produce transformation. And it leaves you hoping and trying. You know, I heard this new thing and I want to try it out. How many of you ever heard somebody say, hey, you need to try Jesus? I wouldn't try Jesus. I'd take him in fully. So once the Spirit of God is involved and what was information becomes revelation, the transcribed word comes alive and moves from our head to our heart. 
excuse me, I need to get a drink of water. I've been struggling. This We went to Colorado a week ago, and an alien moved in. Ron and I both have been experiencing that alien. I had a conversation with that alien last night. And I said, you need to, you need to go to the sea. You need, you need to take yourself out of this body and go to the sea. And then I realized my body is resisting the word of God. So I told this body, stop resisting. And then I fell asleep, thank God. So we're in this battle. So the importance of revelation is that until we get a revelation, we can't experience transformation. And God's plan for us is not just revelation. He's not just trying to fill you full of information. God actually has a tremendous purpose way beyond that. So when we start talking about the love of God and we talk about the faith that we have in God, those are important elements. You know, we can have it all. That's what I like to say. We walk in faith. Faith receives what grace provides. But ultimately, there's an eternal plan in God that he's doing in us as his children. It's got, we call it sonship, that he's transforming us into the same image of the son that's perfect. Now, I know that blows our dumb head. But if you can get past your head and you can see into your heart, you might see something. You might be surprised. You might find out there's a life in there that's way better than you ever thought. As I've discovered over the years, more and more and more, you know what it's done for me? I don't need a boat and a car and an airplane, and I don't need my football team to win. I don't need... That stuff just so doesn't matter to me. Now, some of you I just got sacrilegious on. I'm sure. I apologize. But that's just what he's done in me. And I, I have no bucket list. I did, but I threw it away. I said, this is better. Way, way better. I said, I've experienced all the emotional ups and the downs. I think I'll go ahead with stability and joy and peace. I like that better. And I want you to know that revelation knowledge doesn't tell you you need to do something now. That's the information you've been hearing. But revelation, this is, this is you know, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, remember? And I am amazed, you know, I've been teaching, sharing about the Holy Spirit for 30 years. But as we've endeavored to look into this area of who is the Holy Spirit, my mind is blown again of just how involved he is with us, of just how much he governs in our lives. The spirit of holiness, making us what God needs. The spirit of life, life in us when we were dead. The spirit of adoption, taking us from childhood to maturity to adulthood in the Lord. The spirit of truth, taking what is real to God and making it real to us. Allowing us to live from the reality that God literally lives in. See, when we look around, we're so inundated with information. We're so inundated with noise. And these are things, you know, when as I'm sharing these, these are things the Lord has spoken to me for us. Our lives are too noisy. Sometimes you've got to shut the machines off. But I get ahead of myself. So in the process of revel, once, once a revelation occurs by the Spirit of God, here's the cool thing about it. It begins by this information. We call it Scripture. The Word of God comes to us. We hear it. It goes into our head. And now it needs to go somewhere. And this is something, this is just what the Spirit showed me recently. Your heart is His garden. When he says he loves you, he's not joking. When he says he's got something for you, he ain't kidding. If you look in Ephesians, if you look at this book, and this this book is so loaded. If there was one phrase I would say is over and over and over in the book of Ephesians, it's in him. In whom? And it's always saying what we have. What he's provided. 
and through revelation, we can then see it. So many people don't know what they have because they haven't had a revelation. They've not sat long enough with the Spirit of God to let it let Him bring the reality of it to them. But here's how I know when a revelation has occurred. It causes transformation. You remember over in Romans 12 too, where it said, be therefore not conformed to this world. Conforming means that things from the outside are making you something. You take clay and you conform it to the image that's in your head. That's how artists take something, just a clump of clay and make something beautiful out of it. God, God took it further. He said, I'm not going to conform you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to just move right on the inside. And I'm going to do my work from the inside out. And when it says that we are his workmanship, that means we're not our workmanship. That means we're his workmanship. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, the church is this and the church is that. And they're so bad and they're so unbelieving. And I I say, hold on, that's his wife. Hold on. Careful. You know, you probably, I wouldn't like it if somebody talked that way about my wife, the way some people talk about the church. But, but he's doing something on the inside of us. This transformation, which in the original language, if you go over to Romans 12, 2, where it says, do not be conformed, but be transformed, that word is metamorpho, which means to take the picture we have as a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Something that existed in one form now exists in a new form. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now the confusion is our dumb head. Because we read that Bible verse and we go, still the old gray-haired guy. You know? Uh, Still struggle with some things, right? You guys struggle at all? So in the word of faith, one of the struggles I had with that was that if you had trials, then you just, your faith wasn't good enough. At least that's the way it felt. And I, and I had trials. I started having trials. I, Wait a minute, I'm a faith guy, but I got trials. Why is this happening? So I went to my mentors, my teachers, and they just looked at me. I don't know. I'm serious. That's what they said. I don't know. So I realized somebody's confused. It was me for sure. What if trials are simply our training? What if God doesn't send trials, but whoa, whoa, they're coming. But in that, in this contrasting environment that we live in, this third dimensional realm, that there's a fourth dimensional reality. That's the parent force and the parent reality. Nothing happens over here without it being known over there. And all the things that occur and show up here, all the solutions in the fourth dimension. What we call in the spirit. Well, we won't know it if we don't have revelation. All we'll do is discuss information. So we want to get to this place. And this is the primarily the word that I heard for us. In some ways, I want it to be heard as a warning. I don't know. I'm not an eschatological expert. I don't spend a lot of time. Look, I've over the years, I've heard a lot of different views of end times events. But you got to be kind of blind if you don't see things are lining up in a way they certainly could go the way God said. Yeah. Written 2,500 years ago. Who thought it? The things could occur the way they are. Now, is this thing going to wrap up today? I don't know. Could. I don't know. I'm not an expert. You guys can tell me who are. But I can look around long enough to say, that, look, you know, I can, I can tell the temperature. If you look around in our societal world, I mean, boys don't know their boys. Girls don't know their girls. They don't know there's boys and girls. They come up with some new stuff. I tried to understand it, and then I realized I don't want to. I really like God made them male and female. That was good enough for me. 
And when I was a child, I knew what boys looked like. I knew what girls looked like. But today, what, look at the chaos in our understanding. You have people with PhD, ROTC, LGBTQ, I know all those alphabets, telling you they, don't, they can't define a woman. How do you compete with that? <laughs> the spirit of truth. God's arrow. God's sword. Which you are. The warning is, in the chaotic world you live in, there's a thousand voices trying to own your head. But I'm going to stand solid on the Word of God. I'm going to stand with what has always worked. Nothing is going to change this. God's not going to say, excuse me, I'm sorry for what I believed. I think I'll adjust. I love what Pastor Steve said. Hey, God doesn't work for you. And we need revelation. You need revelation. You don't need to just muddle in the information. You don't need comfortable Christianity. You don't need seeker-friendly Christianity. There's a war going on. There's a battle for the minds. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. They're not natural, but they're mighty. They're powerful through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We spend so much time trying to get ourselves out of strongholds, we haven't even gotten out there to help them. So part of it's a warning. I'm warning you, we need revelation knowledge to be able to get through the currents of life that are going on. To handle the chaos. It's also an encouragement that you got the goods. We bear the truth of God. And what God, the Father of glory, is wanting to do with us. You know, look at yourself in the mirrors with me. Not that other one sitting next to you. Well, they do, but look at you first. He wants to produce His glory. He wants to manifest His glory in this world. He has a plan. Sometimes we say, why don't we see the Holy Spirit moving more? Maybe because we're not moving with Him. Is it possible? It's great. I've experienced some wonderful experiences with the Holy Spirit. I've been overwhelmed with His power. I've laid on the floor going, what is this? It's great. But I don't think God called us just to come to church to get a buzz. I think He called us here to get equipped. Take the buzz to the world. And I know it's a little scary. Donna had recently gone to an event down in uh, Antlers, Oklahoma, with some friends of hers. And that's a multicultural group of people. And so, and there's a woman that Donna knows that's suffering with cancer. And uh, it's terminal. And so one of the people there is a Native American. And so they said, hey, I'll bring my teepee and we'll set it up. And we'll, I guess we'll put some heat and stones and water and we'll create some, some heat in there and we'll go sweat this thing out of you. Why is it that the world's capable of saying what they believe and we're not? Why would you be intimidated by that? It's because we've been told to be intimidated. There's a voice telling you they don't want to hear it. There's a voice telling you that they're too far gone. There's a voice telling you just stay comfortable in your church. Serve the people around you in your church. And that's a good voice to do that. But we've got to let that go out. 
And you know what's not going to happen? It's not going to happen if there's no transformation. If we're just rooms of information exchanges, high fives and spirit buzzes, where's the salt? And so all I would say to that is, let's get to the place where we are experiencing this process of revelation knowledge. So, skip this. See, I've gone way too long already. I'm sorry. So I want to talk about how do we hear. How do we hear, first of all? I know this is uh, obvious to most of you, but the primary source that Holy Spirit uses to teach you is this ancient book. You cannot afford to not take this book and apply those truths into your into your head and into your heart. As a matter of fact, around here we have what we call, you know, we say, hey, do you have a word from God? You might say a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. We get these prophetic voices. So, the first of all, I'd say the Bible says that we're not to uh, despise prophecies. In other words, we need prophecies. But the Bible also says we need to test all things. Right? And so where do we test that? Is it our feelings? Well, I felt like that was right. Your feelings are a poor indicator of what is true. As mine are as well. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says all Scripture... The word all in the original Greek means all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it was breathed by God and is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine just simply means teaching, something I'm trying to do now. Or maybe I should say I'm trusting him to do. For reproof, and that word reproof is where we test. We can test the Spirit's against the the Word of God. The problem is we need revelation to test it with. We can't just look at the Bible as just a bunch of information. How many of you have watched that chaotic fit? I remember one time I was out at Tinker with, sorry, with my boss, and we went to go have, a, on our break, we went to go have a cup of coffee, and there were two Christians sitting at a table. Well, and it got loud. Uh, just changing information. They're in front of the world. And then the world goes, that's why those guys are weird. <laughs> they can't even get along with themselves. I know God loves them. They need somebody to love them. And I just sat there thinking, this is such a poor example of what God wants to do. To have us sit amongst unbelievers arguing over what we think, feel, and believe about God. But we have a more sure word. We have a more sure word of revelation. We have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth living within us. See, that was the revelation that blew me away, that drew me at least getting distance from everything being about faith to there's really more about grace. Was that this realization that I'm not hollering out to a God that's distant. Matter of fact, when I talk to God, I just go, hey, how you doing, God? In there. Not because I'm all that or you're all that. He's all that. That's why you hear me say, it's okay to be okay. Isn't it funny? You go to so many, like even what I'm saying today, you could walk away from this going, man, I fall so short. Man, I don't know what he's talking about. Man, that's, that's not God. God wants you to hear and see what he's doing. His purpose is not to shame and condemn. His purpose is to glorify have you ever heard this? God will not share his glory with any flesh. That's in the Bible. Who said you're just a flesh creature? 
That's why the new you, the real you, the true you, is so valuable. To acknowledge the things that God says about you are true, even if you don't believe it, feel it, think it in your head. Because when you do, and you're doing it under the coaching of the Holy Spirit, I promise you transformation will take place, and transformation leads to manifestation. That's why I know whether we have revelation or not. You'll show it. I know you have information if you're one way at church and you're so, some other way at the job. That may be churchy. That may be Bible. That may be God's word. But that is not revelation. That's something that doesn't affect over here. But I'm telling you, real revelation from God has manifestation that affects every area of your life. It's effortless internal change. Don't you want effortless change instead of this hard work of trying to change yourself? Man, that's a, that's a hard life to live. If I could just change myself. If I could just be better. You can't. It's impossible to be a Christian. What? It's impossible to go, what would Jesus do? I'll do it. That's the ultimate of pride, thinking you can do what Jesus can do. The perfect son of man, the perfect son of God, and you're going to go replicate him. It's impossible. Christianity is impossible without Christ. I like to say this, man, without Christ, I can't do anything. Oh, yeah, but I'm not without Christ. You ever tell yourself that? Woe is me. No, no, I'm not woe. The greater one lives in me. The super overcomer lives in me. The victorious one lives in me. The God of the universe, the God that threw it all into being is in me. That's too much for my dumb head. That's right. You need a new mind. Oh, and by the way, Paul said you got one. For we have the mind of Christ. Which I know in the beginning I thought, you mean I know everything he knows? Tell my head. It doesn't mean that. It means that you have access to everything he knows. That's why when when the Father said, I desire worshipers that will worship me in spirit, that's the realm in which you worship, and in truth. The word truth means reality. Reality that God lives in. I'm tired of your, your hypocrisy and your falsehoods and your, your playing church. The Lord spoke this real clear to this dumb head. If you get real with me, I'll get real with you. Really? And guess what I found out? He wasn't lying. I've always found that out about him. God is not a man that he should lie. So the first place we start is Scripture. The second thing is, and I'm probably running out of time. Oh, good. Let me know. I don't want to wear you out. I've been thinking about some things. So over in uh, the little epistle of 1 John, chapter 2, verse 27, it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Now, when you see the word anointing, it's funny because people say, Christ in you, Jesus Christ, we know who Jesus Christ is. And I like to remind, that's not his last name. When God names something, there's a reason for it. You know why he calls the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit? Bingo, he's holy. (laughs) See how easy that was? So Christ is the word for anointing. Christ is the anointed one. And we have this anointing in us that we can know all things. So we don't have to rely on our dumb head. Now our head's involved. Right? We do have to have our head involved. In order for transformation to take place through the process of revelation... It's got to get out of your head and into your heart. 
This is so important that we understand this because there's many Christians that just have a head Christianity. And to the point where they're afraid of heart Christianity. Man, you start... Because they, they think of heart as emotion and feelings. And you have to be so stoic. And you have to be so sober. You have to be so educated. You have to be so knowledgeable in your head. And there's nothing wrong with having knowledge. The Bible says we're to worship God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So our mind is involved. But as God is my witness, and I know you are, sir, your heart is more important to him than anything you have. And this is going to help you if you can hear this by revelation, if you can hear what the Spirit is saying in this. Those struggles you have in your head, those disqualifying struggles, don't disqualify you. Because God's not looking at that. He's looking at your heart. And here's the cool news. He gave us a new one. Remember? So He gave you a new heart. That's what He's relying on. When we talk about the heart, it's hard to define biblically. There's different ways in which it's described. The best way I know to say the heart, it's the, it's the inner you. It's the, it's the you. It's, it's the being that you are. It's the deepest part of you. It's the part of you that aches and you don't know where it's coming from. It's that in, internal person in there. It's not located up here. This is the part of you that communicates through this body to the realm you're in. But there's a part of you that's deeper. That's in a realm called the Spirit. And it's intertwined and connected with your soul. And your soul is connected to your mind, will, and intellect. But the deepest part of you is called the heart. And guess what? That's what God's looking at. And He gave you a new heart. One that's a flesh. One that what is moldable. One that He can work with. One that He allows for His glory to come to. It's not your flesh He's glorifying. It's Himself He's glorifying. He's placed Himself inside of you with that new heart. And that's what He's relying on. And so when your dumb head gets messed up, like my mouth just did, you can tell your dumb head, shut up, dumb head. We'll get it straight. We'll get it straight. God will get this straight. But my heart... Is pure before you, God. The fact that I care that my head's messed up before you shows my heart for you, God. The fact that I feel any negative feeling because of my failures or my faults or my perceptions of who I am apart from you show that I desire to be like you. And what God did is He placed Himself in you so that you could be like Him. But it takes revelation to see it. Information's not enough. We have this anointing. You have no need that anyone teach you. Okay. Sometimes I feel like I'm arrested. They say I'm a teacher. I just said you have no need of one. <laughs> see ya. That's not what it's saying. God has given us teachers in the body of Christ. That word teacher means you don't need to follow me around. Asking questions continuously. How do I live? What do I do? How do I do life? What, what, what do I do next? What should I wear? You have an anointing from God. You have a coach within you. When it comes to comfortable Christianity, sometimes I think we don't see a move of the Spirit because... You don't need a comforter. If you're the church of comfort, you don't need... Have you ever went to somebody who's laying on the couch? And you go, here, let me get you a blanket, a comforter. And they go, no, I'm just I'm comfortable, I'm fine. Sometimes that's the way we are as a church. I'm not saying that. I hope you don't hear that in a condemning way. I hope you hear that in... That God wants to use you in ways you haven't seen yet. But we got to get in the, you know, the fight. And we need to do it from revelation. 
So we have this anointing. The same anointing teaches you concerning, here's this big Greek word, all things, and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. What? That's an odd statement. Anyone heard the word abiding around here? Oh, yeah, we've got to take her. Isn't it interesting that the anointing that abides in you, or the anointing that abides and that you've received abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, so you'll be, you'll be instructed, and the, the result of that instruction will be your abiding. I found that to be true. The more I'm with Him, the more I want to be with Him. He leads me, coaches me towards Him. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a come-alongsider, as a guide, as a coach. I like the word coach. And this is the reason I like the word coach. The coach doesn't jump into the game. You know, when things aren't going well, the coach doesn't jump into the game. So often our prayer is, oh God, jump into the game. Jump into the game and fix this. But we're the one in the game. We're living the life. We're living in this context of trials and struggles and constant need for solutions. And He's there not to do it for us, but to coach us through it. So when you face trials and you face struggles, it's funny, I think it was, was it James said, consider it pure joy? How many ever got a, you know, I read recently uh, on the church center that one of our, it was Dolly, I guess, has um, shingles. And I got to, you see all this scarring over here? The devil tried to re-roof my head. And I can tell you, those shingles hurt, and my heart just went out to her. I'm like, anyone who's had shingles, they need a solution. And we need to pray for Dolly and don't get shingles. I don't know why I went there. I guess my heart is just, I hate to see people struggling with that because it's not fun. Over in Mark 4, you know the uh, parable of the sower? Am I putting you guys to sleep? It's a good nap. This is another thing. With birthdays comes this difficulty of seeing. Where are you? Oh, it is. You would think I would have an anointing to know this. Thus proof we're all in process. Oh, my goodness. Mark 4, 9 from the parable of the sower. So you guys know the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is he goes, he sows seed into all types of different ground. Later on, Jesus explains this to the disciples. And he explains that this grounds, what are these grounds? It's the human heart. And so, and I'm not going to spend the time, Pastor Steve has done it, of, of what those parables mean. I think a key to what Jesus said in regard to that parable is he asked his disciples, if you can't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? Which means understanding that parable is foundation to everything else you need to know. And so it's worth looking into. I'll play a little, I'm going to play a little game here. This is not really nice, not fair, but I want to do it. Over in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, Paul talks about these foundational principles of the faith. And he says, you are just milk drinkers and we need to go on to meat, but i got to go back and reteach you those things. Do not raise your hand right now. How many of you could tell me what those six principles are and what they mean? Praise God. I told you not to raise your hand. You're showing off. Most Christians cannot. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, baptisms, laying on of hands, 
resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment, and then understanding what those, to the mind of Paul, those are foundational. And in the same way, this parable is foundational to what Jesus is trying to share with us. That the issue of our heart is essential with God. And that we don't allow it to be clouded and and darkened and covered up in all the chaos that's going around us. The reason that so many of us never get to the place of experiencing revelation knowledge is because we're just inundated with everything else. You know, that's not a critique. That's just a reality. Uh, I know this more and more as I've retired and I don't have as many things. I Like, I have empathy for you. Your kids have to play 14 sports and they got to be best at all of them. So you're going to do everything you can to make sure that occurs. you got bills to pay. you got jobs to do. Inflation's going up. I get it. There's so many pressures. Here's the lie that I want to destroy. That somehow, apart from revelation, you got the answer to all that on your own. Do you not think that God, if you spend enough time to hear from God, can help you navigate all of that? That's the lie. I'm too busy for this. No, you're not. I wanted to label it, I called it the power of revelation knowledge, but I wanted to call it the necessity of revelation knowledge. Because it's a necessity for us and for our success in God. So down at the bottom of Mark 4, 9, it says, And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I just heard an old word hit me when I read that. It says, we have to have active listening. We can't just have passive Christianity where I wait around to see what happens. If you want ears to hear, you've got to let yourself hear. That's what that man told me. You're struggling because you have, you're all full of this stuff, but you need to let yourself hear. And I was allowing all this other doctrine and stuff create a barrier to my capacity to hear. And all I had to do was get to the place where I said, I want to hear. Ron and I were talking earlier about when we were in Korea, and he was just talking about how in the beginning for him, he had a hard time understanding why people weren't getting it. But the reason that he had that is he didn't have the experience of churchianity. He was dying and needed life and wanted God and was one of the hungriest guys on the planet. And for me, it was like, it was like feeding and not getting my hand bit off. It was easy. He's the easiest guy I ever helped to disciple. But that's one of the things. We've got to be able to use Scripture. We've got to have ears to hear, and we have to have active listening. I think that's where M28 is so valuable, that M28 slows you down enough to stop and listen. Right, Rich? I mean, it gives you tools. How many times in the Word of Faith, and I'm not picking on them, this is just my experience, was I around guys who were like, I'm off to the next meeting to hear the next word. I'm off to the next meeting to hear. I want to hear something new. Show me something new. Or how many times when I'm uh, in leadership role at church, when are they going to get off of this? Have we not heard about the love of God enough? I agree. Love tastes as good to me as it did the first time I heard it. I always want to say this, and so I'm going to say it like a shotgun to everybody. When you get it, God will stop motivating people to speak to you certain things when you get it. And here's something I've learned in my own personal life. God is not one of our societal teachers who might just pass you on because he wants you in the next grade. He's left me in that class <laughs> till I'm dizzy. And I'm still not sure if I got it sometimes. It's usually in looking back in retrospect. As a matter of fact, in looking at this message and saying, is there truth to what I'm saying? I said, there really is. 
Don is not the same Don he was five years ago or ten years ago or 15, 20, 30 years ago. Definitely not the guy 35 years ago. That guy was crazy. So we need to be actively listening. Checking my time. Okay. Psalm 46.10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. I really feel like as, as the Lord was speaking to my heart about this message, and I hope it's getting through, irregardless of my ability to deliver it. God loves, God loves you, and He wants the best for you. If you want to see how much He loves you, when you really get the revelation that Christ is in you and He's there purposefully, read Ephesians and what you have because of Him. If you don't think you're the most privileged person on the planet, you ain't seeing it. If you see you're a victim somehow, you haven't seen it. Sometimes this is so hard for me because sometimes I want to stop and just describe and just share. Like you have eternal life. I I mean, really. I mean, you're not going to die. I mean, really. I mean, this thing you're walking around in one day is going to go, and you're just going to step out of it into a fourth dimensional, color-filled, new spiritual realm that you haven't seen. It's greater than this. And you're going to see your loved ones. Holy smokes. How can we be a victim when they can't even kill us? We have superpowers. We have eternal life. Life like God lives it. And that's, I think that's what he's trying to say to us. I want you to understand it. I want you to know about it. I want to reveal to you what your life is all about. What it really is. The fourth dimensional reality. Because it's going to make your third dimensional experience way better and less stressful. When you know without a doubt there's always a way out. There's always a way through. It always amazes me when I think about people. We think, well, we're not, we're not going to make it. When you go back to the Garden of Eden and you go, you put two people in there and then you've created this place and you put two people in there and God hasn't had to add one thing and there's what, over 7 billion of those people now on this planet? It's still feeding them. It's still clothing them. It's still, do you think God doesn't have resources? Do you think He hasn't planned ahead for you? Oh, I know I'm probably overstating it, but it's going to be okay. But we have to learn how to be still. Some of the most important things I've heard from God, there's two places I hear it. Lying still on my bed. Sometimes when I'm going to sleep or when I'm waking up in the morning, I get sermons. Like I sit there thinking, what you just showed me, if I could share this. Right? And it it feels like the only thing in the way is this dumb head. Sometimes little pieces spill out when I go, you got eternal life. Man, this is good for you. Your future is done. You're safe. This life is but a vapor. A new planet. A new earth. A perfect kingdom. With a perfect king, all things provided, 
His concrete is gold. His concrete is gold. We're so worried about stuff like that. I'm ready. I'm ready to go there. The other place is, uh, this is very intimate, but it's in my shower. I take holy showers. Some of the greatest revelations I ever got is with water pouring over me. And I'll tell you how it occurs. That I got nobody to talk to there. But either me, and sometimes that's who I start with. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But then I begin to talk to the Lord. Why? Because all that outer noise is not there. All the distractions aren't there. I'm undistracted. I'm being still. And I'm beginning to know God. Because he's got me. I'm quieted enough that I can hear. And he does speak to me there. And sometimes we say, well, how does he speak? I've heard people say they have like audible voices. Thus saith the Lord. You know, that stuff. I have to be honest. I've never heard that. I've never heard like an audible voice around me. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm sure it does happen. But one of the things I noticed when uh, Paul in Ephesians was talking about the eyes of your understanding, that they would be illumined. Well, what is the eyes of your understanding? What does that mean? See, our understanding is not something in regard to our head. He's speaking to something in our heart. And when God speaks to me, it's often, quite often, always probably through Scripture. And then internally, the eyes of my understanding understand. And all of a sudden, the pieces are coming together. He's putting all these pieces together and he's showing me his whole story. If we had a day or two, I could sit here and tell you what God's up to. I mean it. I think I know. And it's, it's awesome. I'll give you a taste. If God wanted sons that were perfect, why doesn't he just, in his big old plan, take the perfect son, put him inside his creatures so that that could be the life of those sons? Quit relying on those creatures and just rely on that son that's in them. What if he could do that? Bingo! He did. Your covenant that you have with God is the covenant Jesus has with God. That's why you're married to him. You get what Jesus gets because he put him in us. Is that enough? Y'all been very nice to me. And I want to thank you for that. Inside of me, there is a little preacher that wants to do this, but I'm not. I just want to continue to say, in order for God to get what he wants, we have to give him what he wants. He wants us. He wants us first of all. And then when he gets us, he's got a mission for us because he wants the rest of them as well. But we need to get the revelation of that in order for us to manifest that reality. And I believe that's what the spirit of truth is wanting to do. We are so aided. (laughs) We are so equipped by the Spirit of God. So many times people have gotten distracted because of tongues and miracles and the things that the Spirit does. People will say to them, are you charismatic? I'm no, but I know someone who is. Because I think it's the Holy Spirit that's charismatic. 
The word charismatic just means charisma. It's charis grace things. manifest Grace manifestations. The reality from God's kingdom expressing itself in this realm. So I'm not charismatic, but man, I want to be spirit-filled. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to get revelation knowledge so that I know how to abide with Him. So I know what He's doing so I can participate in it. So we can partner with Him. And you know what? I believe you do too. And so I'm just going to pray. I hope that you will hear what I said today. Not from me, but from... Take time to say, hey, is that goofy guy telling the truth? So if you would, could we just close our eyes for a moment? Holy Spirit, you will forever be welcome in our place here. You are, you are wanted. Holy Spirit, we desire you. We love you. We love your presence. We love what you're doing in us. We give ourselves to you. Lord, when we are tempted to come here for our own self-centered reasons, we know that you care about us. And so we lay those aside and come here for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that the people under my voice will come to know and see the anointing they have to know all things and that they would learn how to discipline themselves to sit quietly and receive revelation. And Lord, from that point on, it's your work in them. And I look forward to seeing what you want to do. Father of glory, I pray that you will glorify your church, Grace Church, and all the churches around us. And I pray mostly that we'll be receptive to what you're doing. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. We love you. Amen.